This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. God is always pursuing you in love. Life, the sunrise, every moment, every notification on your phone, every email, it, I mean, everything is an avenue of love. And so I think more our posture is, are we going to receive it or not? What does it look like to actually stay awake, to not choose to numb or distract or even to dive into a spiral of anxiety, especially given the reality of the last several years. Well, in this conversation with author Angelie Pascal, we talk about her newest book, Awake, and what does it look like to stay awake, particularly in issues of conflict and grief and loss. This is an encouraging, helpful, practical conversation. Listen in to my conversation with Angelie Pascal. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In this season of the Finding Holy podcast, we are exploring themes about going back in order to move forward. So whether we're looking backwards in time, in history, through theology, or even in our own stories, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to embrace our past so we can embrace our future. Stay with us. Friends, I'm excited to welcome a friend and a repeat podcast guest to the podcast today. Angelie is here. She's talking about her most recent book, comes out this April called Awake, Paying Attention to What Matters Most in a World That's Pulling You Apart. So thanks so much for being here again. Hey, it's so great to be here, Ashley. Thanks. You are welcome. So yeah, yeah, we were talking a little bit before about how your first book, Stay, right, came out in the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic, and now yours is coming out, you know, when there's a a global war going on. So, you know, (laughs) oh my goodness, how do we, yeah, in this moment, how do we, tell us about the message of awake. What does that look like to stay awake? And how do we do that now, particularly in this very fraught moment in time? So I started writing awake, not necessarily writing a book, but I was just wrestling with anxiety. And I think many of us, Mm -hmm. as the pandemic went on and on and on, experienced more and more anxiety. And so writing for me was a way to figure out what in the world was happening inside of me. And it was this anxiety of the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And I think all the pause and stop and lockdown in life, you know, as for many of us was a an examination of what was going on 
in our mm-hmm. lives and the way we were living and the way we wanted to live. It's kind of like a clean slate in a lot of ways. And yeah. as I was doing that, this anxiety was there. Like I have this fear, this constant low grade anxiety that I'm missing life, that I'm not getting it, that I'm not doing it right. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, there's some people who totally have it figured out, right? We, we have uh, people in our minds who it's like, oh, they're doing it right you know, quote unquote, right. And how do you know, we're always trying to figure it out. And I just felt like a lot of people online or in my real life had figured it out. And I felt like Mm. I was always left behind. Like life was a train and I was on the platform. And if I just ran fast enough or figured out the formula, I could get on the train with all the cool people like who are just hanging out drinking champagne or something. And, you know, all the people on the train were like, if you just do it like me, you could like have, you know, live the full life. And so part of writing awake was to understand that anxiety and um, hope for something different. So what does it look like to stay awake? What kind of practices have you practiced, you know, in your body and your thought life to begin to awaken to the world that you actually live in and not write some (laughs) imagined one, Um, you know, your current circumstances, the limits, you know, that are yours to embrace. What does that look like? Right. So I think, I think, you know, what this is like, Ashley writing a book, it's like you've finished, you know, the 50,000 words and that's what I did. And I looked at my book and I was like, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I figured it out. (laughs) I wrote a lot of words, but what are they actually saying? And in a way I kind of started over and instead of um, uh, just trying to figure it out, which a lot of us do, I think when we have anxiety or stress or a problem, we Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time in our mind figuring it out, you know? And so instead I stopped and I started asking people in my life, and people I really trusted, this question. I asked them, when in your life have you been awake? Because I knew I had this desire that I wanted to live life to the fullest. I didn't want to get to be 80, 90 years old, look back on my life and be like filled with regret, or I spent my whole life anxious, or I spent my whole life stressed or worried or just living in these temporal moments. And so as I asked that question, which I kind of want to hear your answer to that question, Ashley. Oh, but yeah. it was uh, <laughs> it was shocking to me what everyone's answer was because hmm. I think I kept expecting them to say, oh, like my wedding day or this moment when I had achieved this one thing I really had worked hard for or when I bought my house or got the contract or, you know, these yeah, monumental the moments, moments, right? Yeah, and yeah. nobody said that everyone's moments, everyone's awake moments, and maybe a better way to say awake is also aha moments, Mm -hmm. were connected to uh, a moment that they had in community when they were loved, a moment at rock bottom when they were loved, Mm -hmm. a moment when they were in some sort of creation and they experienced Mm -hmm. love, or when they were fulfilling and walking out their calling. And then it was this, this mind, it was a total shift for me, that moment. Mm. It was, mm. wow, awakeness has nothing to do with achievement, accomplishment, grasping, running, chasing, hurrying. Um, mm-hmm. It has everything to do. And I think you even said it in your question of living in the life you've been given. 
And mm-hmm. so for me, it became this prayer of God, help me be present to the life you've given me. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I talk about um, a spacious life, my most recent book in, you know, group settings or retreats or whatever, I, ta- I always quote Wendell Berry and he talks about, we live the given life and not the planned, right? Yeah. And like how much of, how many of us yeah. have fought against our given lives, right? Because we want the planned or imagined one. Um, and so, yeah, what an invitation to to stay awake to what is actually going on. I mean, that's really painful too. What does that look like, you know, as you've spoken to other people, um, you know, as you've written the, the book to go back, right? In order to go forward. That's our theme on the Finding Holy podcast in this little series. But, you know, how is going backwards then important as we go forward? Oh, it's kind of crucial. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, (laughs) we're just like running around with our, like, with our heads cut off, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of us do. That's, that's, that's the Mm -hmm. hard thing is, I would say that, yeah, it's hard to encounter some of those ghosts in the closet or feelings we don't want to feel or disappointment. Like Disappointment is real. And we don't want to encounter that within ourselves. But I think the the opposite choice is even more painful. Avoidance, denial, addiction, pretending, performing. Like I think that whole game is even more challenging than Mm -hmm. being aware and awake and listening to the reality of your soul or living like an integrated life, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the series of um, even my first book to my second book, Stay, is that invitation to be where you are. And then Awake Mm -hmm. is the invitation of, of, as you stay, where is God? Mm -hmm. And I think what happens as we enter that question, where is God in your disappointment? Where is God in your pain? Where is God in your loneliness? Where is God Mm -hmm. in your anxiety? And your circumstances most of the time actually don't change. Right. But what changes is the connection to Jesus. And that Mm -hmm. is what awake, being awake is so much about is Mm -hmm. we don't make that happen. God meets us in that. And there's a profound awakeness. Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you, even just in the process of the pandemic and um, practicing staying awake? What did that look like just kind of on an average Tuesday? Yeah, average. Was anything average during the pandemic? Um, But I think what happened, and I'm always so curious to hear people's stories as we're kind of maybe looking at COVID in the rearview mirror, yeah, or what it, how, how we endured it it and went through it. Yeah. But I think I think COVID was just this massive um, tearing down for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I had built a pretty nice house, like mm-hmm. internal world mm-hmm. of, you know, a good home, good, you know, some healthy habits and patterns in my life. But I think through COVID, it revealed to me how some of the foundations I had built that life on mm-hmm. were really built on um, people where, gosh, I needed those people to like me so that I was okay, or I needed this system to work so that I would be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like through COVID, it was like the wind came, the rain came, and it 
knocked the house down, you know? And so I feel like I'm in this stage of um, where there's like wet concrete, you know, when you're putting like the, the builders are creating a new home. It's like the wet concrete and the Lord is kind of writing new words on the foundation of my own soul Mm -hmm. of what my life is to be built on. So yeah, what does that look like? Like, how does your life look now? You know, so things crumbled, um, you know, the, the sense in which your the rhythms that you have weren't serving you any longer. Um, or you realize to what extent, you know, maybe even some of those really good practices were still yeah. built, built on, yeah, people pleasing, for instance. So yeah. yeah, how does your life look different now after having kind of wrestled through some of these, some of these invitations? Gosh, it's, I mean, and you know what? I mean, I would add people pleasing to that. Yes. I think it was conflict. Like mm-hmm. I had zero, Z. I feel like very young uh, capacities or tools to deal with conflict. And mm-hmm. as we know, the past two years, there's yeah, only yeah. been conflict. It feels like yeah. on every single issue possible. And then mm-hmm. people who are your best friends or neighbors or sisters or brothers, they feel differently. And so yeah. a lot of the things you could mm-hmm. avoid at the dinner table or Christmas table, you know, they're almost yeah. felt unavoidable. And so for yeah. me, um, I had to really wrestle and step into the ring. Not that I was beating anybody up or beating anyone was beating me up, but more even just like showing up and Mm. stepping into conflict yeah, and not running away from it. And so I think what I realized and right is that, oh, like we can still love each other and hurt each other and have different views about things. Um, and it won't completely destroy me. And that gives so much great courage, confidence, hope. I don't know. I feel in many ways very changed because I have been able to step into the ring on some of these places of conflict. Wow. Are you worn out by hurry and hustle? And yet you don't know what it looks like to find a better way? Well, Jasmine Holmes called my book, A Spacious Life, Balm for a Weary Soul. Tish Harrison Warren called it a needed tonic. And Jen Pollock-Michelle talks about it as rescuing us from the siren call of self-help. Join these women as they have experienced both their own limits and seen how my book, A Spacious Life, helps all of us to embrace the goodness of our God-given limits. Find out more at aspacious.life. That's aspacious.life. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman? serve in the workplace? Or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. 
In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Tell us what that looked like for you. Um, I don't know if you have like an incident or a story that would be helpful for us to kind of imagine our way into it. You know, if you think of a listener who either, you know, on one hand might be like super conflict avoidant or someone who may might, you know, always step into the ring and maybe a little self-restraint, you know, how do we get to this place as we consider conflict? Um, you know, where we can we're not afraid of it, you know, like that we are rooted in Jesus so that we can actually engage difference, um, you know, and be differentiated. What does that look like uh, in your own life? Yeah. Right. Well, I want to tell you that I wish it was like magically easy and really fun. Oh yeah. I mean, for for some people conflict (laughs) is fun and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know who you are. I don't know how you get you sleep at night my, because I don't think husband, conflict is fun. Is not bothered by it. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's not bothered. We he's should get him on the phone. Either. Get him on this interview and ask him that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say for someone who tends to be more conflict avoidant or fearful of conflict, um, I mean, I think it is one like your roots growing very deep in mm-hmm. where your identity and your worth and belonging are found, and I think there's yeah. also a level of humility of saying. Hey, I think I'm right, but you know what? I could be wrong. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I have mm-hmm. had, I probably had, you know, several different places of conflict. One most recently was with um, one of my dearest friend's husbands. And so we would mm-hmm. get, you know, are, are, yeah, you're familiar with Boxer. It's kind of an online app and yep. you kind of leave messages for each other. Everyone should have Boxer. It's the best app ever. Get rid of everything <laughs> else. Keep Boxer. Um, yep. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I shared something on Instagram one day, a quote, and he instantly was like, I don't agree with that. And so I was like, all right, let's, let's take it to Voxer. And we had long conversations and it was really like, I cried at times. He cried at times, cried at times. And I think what, what we started to realize, and even though I didn't actually change any of my views and he Mm -hmm. certainly did not change any of his views what we came to realize is we had started to assume things about each other. Hmm. Like I assumed because of something he said or did at some point in the past two years that he believed X, Y, Z and he, the same for me. And it was like realizing, Hey, I, I disagree with some of the things you're saying, but I actually respect you and the way you got there. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, it didn't really change. It made our relationship actually stronger. And so I'm very mm-hmm. like grateful for moments like that. Um, but for other, you know, in that particular relationship, I didn't actually have a whole lot to lose, you know, but there are, right. you know, cause we don't see each other in a regular form of life. And so it's a little easier, but then there are certainly people right. in my life where it's like, I have a lot to lose if I mm-hmm. tell them what I really think. And so when those moments came to the surface, it always had to start with, hey, I love you. Yeah. And in vice versa, like, I know you love me. But mm-hmm. man, it's, it's, it's hard, Ashley, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm, we're, we really keep are. stepping into the ring because that's because we love people and they're worth it. Mm-hmm. 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 And to say like your humanity and our relationship trumps like the details of yes. this conflict. My, my relationship with you trumps rightness. Yeah. I always try to, I don't think we've really gotten it great in our family, but I do try to keep repeating like, it's better to be kind than right. <laughs> you know, like we're not going to keep totally. arguing for our rightness. Um, but I, I don't always uh, model that. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, um, thank you for even just saying the talking about the importance of conflict and how it always is also a going back, not only to our identity in Christ, but also like the identities yeah. that we have um, embedded in relationships that allow us then to be bold or at least confident and kind, you know, as we approach conflict. That's huge. Yeah. It goes back to like, the image is so helpful for me. Like when we can connect our spiritual lives to like a metaphor that we can tangibly grab onto. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. image of wet concrete and the Lord writing on the concrete of our hearts, you are loved, Mm -hmm. you are known, you are mine. You know, that is at the core and everything else can build on top of that. But a lot of times in that wet concrete, I write other people's names, you know, like, like I need my mom to approve of me. I need my dad to be proud of me. I need my husband to not be disappointed, you know? And it's like, no, like the Mm -hmm. core, like going back, like you're saying is going back to what is the foundation. Yeah. Let's just go deeper. We're going to talk about suffering. Yeah. You write a a bit about suffering, like, you know, needing someone with you to tell you that suffering means something you talk about, you know, your grandmother being there for you particularly. Would you just kind of share about maybe how suffering helps shape us too and how we can be awake in our suffering as we see it, you know, even if we're not currently suffering we have little losses and big losses and of course we see suffering all over you know on the news too what does that look like yeah I think suffering is um unavoidable unfortunately Mm -hmm. we we live through it and we can either get stuck in it or we can move through it in a healing hopeful way Mm -hmm. um I can I think one of the most powerful stories that I was able to share uh, through writing this book was a story about a, a car accident years and years ago where two two friends who were like sisters passed away. And I yeah. remember just that moment and, you know, death is, yeah. th- there's nothing uh, that can change death. Um, it's a reality and it's something I think we all fear. Um, but I talk about just this kind of tragedy and, what it's like to move through it. And I think one thing that's been so helpful for me uh, through grief, uh, especially mm-hmm. through loss and death, is putting, making grief tangible. Mm-hmm. So um, putting words to grief, putting paint to grief, putting mm-hmm. music to grief, putting color to grief, and, and making this um, kind of hurricane that we, and, and honestly, tomb that we feel inside Mm -hmm. of us, um, bringing it out to the light. And as we engage in like creative, 
even creative practices, how that helps us move Mm. through suffering and allows other people to be with us in suffering. And so I just think like I, I had, um, there's such small little things, right? Even like eat, (laughs) you know, like, uh, step outside, drink Mm -hmm. water. Um, I mean, I was just having a conversation with my mother-in-law who is about 12 years now out of a divorce. And we remembered the week of the, of her and her husband's um, separation and how we sat together. And it was like, we like forced ourselves to eat barbecue chips, you know, it was like, we have to eat something, you know? And so how God meets us, even in those creative, gives us this, these, we're creative beings and how those parts of our creativity can be used uh, towards healing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful, you know, as we think, I mean, we've all gone through collective grief yeah. and trauma, right? The last few years and to not be able to process that in concrete ways, it's going to come out sideways, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For, for you, I mean, I imagine that would be like writing, or, mm-hmm. you know, you see some artists even on Instagram that it's like, wow, I could never have articulated that feeling I have until I saw that piece of art. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how even as we participate in those creative practices, it actually becomes healing hope for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes us feel less isolated and alone, right? The yeah. more that we are engaging with others in those really hard, like whether it's conflict or grief or, you know, all of these hard emotions that we're all feeling, we can tend to like pull away, right? Yeah. Instead of leaning in and welcoming others into that with us. Yeah. 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 What does it look, what are you hopeful for, um, you know, for the reader of Awake to get the courage, right? To to stay awake to, to a lot of this pain and, um, devastation. What does that look like? And what, how would you encourage her to, to press on? I would say it probably is a lot less work than you think it is. Right. It's like, Mm, that's good. The, the whole image of the train, like the train is not like, we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to get on the train. And so then we're like, then experiencing the joy and the connection and the love of God Um, that even right here in this moment, um, everything that you see, everything that you hear, everything you taste, everything you understand and every relationship you have, like those are all love gifts from the Lord to wake you up to us, to his love. And so, Mm. I mean, it can be so simple, so Mm. little as, you know, watching still water or oh you don't have orange trees in Colorado do you anymore <laughs> no Honestly. we don't yeah, yeah. oh okay well yeah. um for me it'd be going outside and just picking an orange or um listening to music you know just mm-hmm. these simple mm-hmm. like everything you have in your life every good and perfect gift is from the heaven from the father above and so mm-hmm a lot of being awake is simply paying attention to the life you've been given and receiving it as a a gift. And it slows life down. It's like the the savoring instead of surviving, the 
being present instead of pushing forward um, because it what you're actually looking for is right right where they reach yeah yeah and just really just like very small grounding practices to begin to be whole, right? Instead of yeah. simply, you know, spinning out <laughs> yes. on, you know, our emotions or our anxiety. Yes. Of, yeah. That's really helpful um, for us to think about. Like we can get through, yeah, that grief, the trauma, the loss, the conflict, um, even just numbing out, right? By being connected again in the moment and in our bodies. And then we can then invite other folks right into it and we can go through, yeah, that harder kind of soul digging work. Um, but maybe, yeah, it's as simple as like getting sunlight on your face as, as yeah. a first step. I love that. Yes. And I kind of always see it as like, God is all, God is always pursuing you in love. Always yeah. life, yeah. the sunrise. Every moment, every notification on your phone, every email, it, I mean, everything is an avenue of love. And so I think more our posture is, are we going to receive it or not? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it'd be kind and of so, like, I really, yeah. I just would love to be that whisper and that voice in women's life. I mean, to remind them, like, you can have the life you want and you don't have to lose your soul trying to get it. That's really mm-hmm. like... It's possible, but it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. It's not going to look yeah, like it's not, it's not all that stuff you're chasing. Yeah. 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 That way you could have that life. You could be chasing after the train your whole life, but you'll lose your soul. Yeah. Well, that's good. And it helps us to think of just like, okay, like some really small starting places. So thank you so much for that. Um, oh, as, thanks, Ashley. Yeah. As we conclude, we love to hear your laundry routine. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you ask this question. I, I was know. thinking about it last night yes. as I dumped seven baskets of clothes on our nice. bed. And nice. the, my husband and my two oldest sons, we sorted it all and watched The Office and and put away laundry and folded it. So nice. it's like it's build it up and then conquer. That's yes. my strategy. I think yep. it's... I don't know if it's always successful, but that's how we're doing it here. Yep, yep, and it works. It sounds like, yeah, all hands on deck. Here barely, we go. Barely, though, Ashley, it barely yeah. works. Well, yeah, uh, you've got a whole house full of, of, yeah, of lots of laundry, so. Lots of love, lots yes. of love. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure to, oh. yeah, to talk about all of the challenges in this moment in time and yet there's an invitation too so thank you for for making it accessible too for us yes thank you so much for having me friends i hope you enjoyed that conversation with angeli pascal her book awake is out now and you can grab a copy at the link in the show notes or wherever you purchase your books you can also follow up with Angeli on her Instagram account, which is linked as well. I love leaving you with one small step as we begin to consider all of these themes theologically, relationally, it can feel very overwhelming. So your one small step is to simply go outside, get some sunshine on your face, move your body at a more human pace. And begin to help pay attention to your senses so that 
whatever it is that you're feeling, whether it's overwhelm, exhaustion, you don't know where God is in the midst of a pandemic or war, that you'll at least begin to be present in the moment and that God will meet you as you get sunlight on your face and know that you are here, that you are loved by God and that you are able to move forward, even if it's very slow. We so appreciate you being here. Your ratings and reviews on Apple Music or wherever you listen to podcasts help more people have good, deep conversations that cross the aisles and that help us move forward with God. So thank you. And I would encourage you, if you haven't yet, to rate and review the Finding Holy podcast wherever you listen, because it'll help more folks find these thoughtful conversations. Remember, big things matter, but so does your laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.